0: Blob Talk Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. The
1: prison begins after, uh, after slavery. You know, you had all these people on all these plantations, all these farms who were making money. America is built on the exploitation of black labor. America is built on slave labor. So slavery ends, and suddenly the slave codes turn into black codes, right? Because the 13th Amendment abolishes slavery, right? But it only abolishes slavery
2: except
1: under the condition of prison. In other words, if you commit a crime, if you're incarcerated, according to the 13th Amendment, slavery is still allowed. So you're technically a slave if you're in prison. Absolutely, you can legally be told what to do. Your labor can be forced, etc. So if if no if if, nobody's a, if you, so think about it like this, you need slaves to keep the economy going. You don't have slaves anymore unless people commit a crime. So what do you do? You make everything a crime. So suddenly the slave codes became the black codes. So now black people can be arrested for vagrancy, for standing outside, for cursing in front of a woman, for being out of town without a job. All of these things, which are fairly arbitrary crimes, or if crimes at all, they take them and they throw them back into the prison. And then they have something called the convict lease system, where the prison can lease the convicts out to the same plantations they left to do the same work they did as slaves. So now the slaves have become free only to become slaves again through prison. And that is wow. the system that we're dealing with right now, a, a, a new version of the convict lease system. And that's why labor is exploita- exploited, and that's why prisons have become even more for profit. That's why we see more privatization. Because people because make, a people money, make, money, make money, money in this country on exploited money labor, money exploited. and this is one example. Of what
3: Change your mind. Stop calling it the things that it is not. It's not mass incarceration. It's not all those things I mentioned before. What is
2: it? Bravery. What do we want to hear? Lavery! Lavery. What are we fighting? bravery
3: You're listening to Abolition Today, a weekly online radio program with specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the Thirteenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for profit prisons worldwide. Abolition Today is made possible by Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Millions for Prisoners, Human Rights Coalitions, and Prismatic Dreams. Be sure to like and subscribe and follow us at Abolition Today on social media. My name is Max Parthas. This program isn't about me, but just this once, on our premier broadcast, I'll mention some of my history in art and activism. I'm a lifelong member of the spoken word community and a dedicated slavery abolitionist. a member of Same Urge, which is the Southern Abolition Yearly Meeting and Association of Friends, Quakers, Uplifting Racial Justice and Equality Group. I'm the director of the Paul Cuffee Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, which concentrates on providing education, support, and information on the abolitionist movement from past to present. I have a 25-year history of on-air broadcasting and was featured on Broad Talk Radio's very first broadcast titled "Hurricane." I received the 2010 Poet of the Year Award and recipient of the year honors from the National Poetry Award. In 2014, I had the honor of receiving the Paving the Way, which is a lifetime achievement award at the annual Spoken Word Gala honorary event. I'm the recipient of the 2016 Missouri Cure Mark Taylor Activism Award for Work at Abolition. And finally, I was the 2017 Will Bell Humanitarian Award recipient at the annual Spoken Word Gala Honoree. I guess you could say that I'm pretty good at using the talents of my voice and my words to make change through art and poetry. I'd also like to have my co hosts today introduce themselves, starting with Brother Youssef Hassan. Yusuf?
4: Sorry, Max. I forgot I was muted. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, Peace and blessings, family. It's kind of tough coming on the heels of uh, Max, but Max is actually the one who enlightened me to the 13th Amendment, and it's something I've been involved with uh, since... I want to say December of 2009. Uh, I've worked with many organizations over the course of that time. Currently, I'm working with the uh, Society of Fellows and Hayman Center for the Humanities and the Center for Justice at Columbia University. We focus on justice and education, and and currently teaching justice through code. It's a platform that deals with uh, formerly incarcerated, you know, teaching them technical skills to put them into the workforce, and I also work with many other organizations where we focus on bringing prisoners, uh, protecting prisoner legal rights, and we focus on ending the 13th Amendment exception clause that permits slavery to exist in the United States. So with that, it's a pleasure to be here because it's been a long time coming. I'm glad we're back on the air, and I'll be speaking on more and more things as we progress. But at this time, I'd like to bring in, do we have the other hosts on the line?
3: No, according to my switchboard, uh, Harmony XY is not on the line yet, but travel Rain is reaching out. Tour to maybe there is some kind of technical uh, difficulties occurring. In any case, you know, we'll keep it moving, and we'll have her introduce herself once she we do get her in. In the meantime, man, I'm real happy to be back here, too. You know, uh, it's been a hell of a past two years, uh, incredibly sick, fighting uh, a fatal disease, and surviving when nobody thought I would. Uh, it stopped me from what I was doing then, but uh, here I am back. For me, this is like, you know, an epic uh, comeback story. I mean, a the theme song or something. <laughs> you know, we're on here with specific goals, and I'd also like to uh, uh, share with the listeners here today, thank you for being here. You could have been anywhere else. Thank you for being here today. But I want to share with the listeners some of our goals as abolitionists and through abolitionists today. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're really focusing on it at this point, is removing the exception clauses from state constitutions. For those that don't know, there's like 25 states that have or have had an exception to slavery, pro-slavery language, written right into their constitution. So we're trying to remove those state by state. So far, we've been successful with Colorado being the first state in 2018 to remove its exception clause. And that's an amazing thing to consider if you really put it into perspective. The first uh, British colony to legalize slavery here in what we now know as the United States was Massachusetts, and that happened in 1641. From 1641 until 2018, when Colorado became the first state to make it illegal, was 377 years. Between the two of them, and to think that we are alive and working towards these goals while things like that have, is happening is amazing. Also, states like uh, Minnesota uh, are moving towards removing their exception clause. Uh, Tennessee already has theirs on the ballot coming up for 2022, and I believe there's two or three other states that are actively moving towards removing those exception clauses. Those are one of the things we're heading towards. We also want to keep in mind about who helps us be here on the air today, and that is, I mentioned earlier, J House Lawyers Speak and the Millions of Prisoners Human Rights Coalition. Those are groups that are working both inside and outside of the prisons. Literally, the prisoners are helping us to put this show together. So on more than a few occasions, you are going to be hearing us speaking on their behalf. In the past few years, we've had two national prison slave labor work strikes, which I was honored to be a part of organized. And during those strikes, the prisoners put out a list of demands. I'd also like to share some of those with you, or rather I would rather like if Yusuf Hassan um, would share the prisoners list of demands, at least an abbreviated version.
4: Absolutely. Give me one brief second. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, you know, I'll be springing things, right? <laughs> Listen, we're just going to be flowing the way we, we need to flow. This is our on-air broadcast, our premier broadcast. So if we have a few errors of technical difficulties, please forgive us and continue to uh, tune in. You are going to have an amazing okay, I'm ready lightning now. night. All right.
4: Well, it's It's a short list. It's it's a list of 10 demands, prisoners list of demands. Number one, immediate improvements to the conditions of prisons and prison policies that recognize the humanity of imprisoned men and women. Number two, an immediate end to prison slavery. All persons imprisoned in any place of detention under United States jurisdiction must be paid the prevailing wage in their state or territory for their labor. Number three, The Prison Litigation Reform Act must be rescinded, allowing imprisoned humans a proper channel to address grievances and violations of their rights. Number four, the Truth in Sentencing Act and the Sentencing Reform Act must be rescinded so that imprisoned humans have a possibility of rehabilitation and parole. No human shall be sentenced to death by incarceration or serve any sentence without the possibility of parole. Number five. An immediate end to the racial overcharging, oversentencing and parole denials of black and brown humans. Black humans shall no longer be denied parole because the victim of the crime was white, which is a particular problem in the southern states. Number six, an immediate end to the racist gang enhancement laws targeting black and brown humans. Number seven, no imprisoned human shall be denied access to rehabilitation programs at their place of detention because of their label as a violent offender. Number eight, state prisons must be funded specifically to offer more rehabilitation services. Number nine, Pell Grants must be reinstated in all U.S. states and territories. And finally, number 10, the voting rights of all confined citizens serving prison sentences, pre tar detainees, and so-called ex-felons must be counted. Representation is demanded. All voices count.
3: man uh those just simple demands uh, as human beings in the united states some of them really stand out very clearly to me of course you know an immediate end to prison slavery just those two words put together has, uh should make people very worried because that's what we're dealing with prison slavery in every form you can imagine you could just take the prison part out and say slavery because it is slavery But with the prisons, not only do they warehouse their bodies for profit, anything going from $30,000 a year to as much as a quarter million a year, just to warehouse a body, but they're also forcing them to work at uh, no or very little pay at all. As a matter of fact, one of our stories today is about the governor of New York, Cuomo, who is uh, now said that he's going to be using prison labor, to make their very own hand sanitizers to be provided throughout the state. Pretty amazing. Any of those other ones uh, stand out for you, Yusuf?
4: You know, that was that was the one that really hit me. You know, because in the in the time of a national or international pandemic, the first thing they do is go straight to the slaves. Look for the slaves to bail them out of the situation. You know we have price gouging going on all over the country, so in their efforts to to get rid of that, they go straight to let's get the slaves to end this situation for us. You know because we know what's going to eventually come down the pipe when they start trying to do all kinds of testing. It's going to start with with the inmates and prisoners. Right.
3: In New York, from what I understand, prisoners get paid anything from ten cents an hour to 62 cents an hour uh to be able to perform labor through corecraft which is the company that provides all of the goods and services created and made and maintained by prisoners behind bars in New York
4: absolutely and and what what really many people don't even understand is that while these inmates are making this hand sanitizer they they can't access it themselves because it contains alcohol, and alcohol is considered, any products containing alcohol is contraband in the prisons. So they won't even be able to utilize it for themselves.
3: Man, isn't that amazing? Uh, I, I was watching some people on air, uh, some of the reporters, explaining that, or at least one woman who was formerly incarcerated, that this is one of the banned items because it has alcohol content. And the prisoners are very concerned. I just got a call today from Angola Prison and the uh, Decarcerate Louisiana movement there, and they told me that they're very concerned about this coronavirus because they're uh, in a basically what would be a a breeding ground for it. There's no testing going on, and uh, they're not allowed to use the hand sanitizers, uh, as you just mentioned. And some of their, many of the people who are behind bars, they're very old and already frail. And it's likely something like this could be a death sentence to them.
4: Absolutely. Max, can I just interject uh, something real quick? For those that are on the line, they may want to uh, submit comments or anything. You can actually log on to uh, blog talk radio slash abolition today to tune into the broadcast and you can actually post your comments right there, you know, and we can run a live chat simultaneously with the show.
3: Absolutely. Oh, and uh, just in case uh, our other host uh, had, doesn't have the number for whatever reason, and later on we'll have an open line where people can call in and speak with us. The number is 515-605-9814. That's 515 515-605- 605 9814. We do plan on opening up the lines later, because I know there's a number of friends that want to call in or maybe ask questions or share some of this information. Um, You know, we was talking earlier about some of the things that we've done, or where are we at this point in abolition? You know, and you and I, we've been working together now for a decade, and all the way back to uh, 2009 and then 2010, which now we have a decade anniversary of the March 4th for Freedom movement where we help organize uh, people all across the country and with international support to go down to the local jails and prisons and youth detention centers and courthouses, uh, places like that, in protest of modern-day slavery. That was really our first big movement in trying to get people to wake up about that. And and what has changed since then? What have we accomplished since then? Well, I did mention that we achieved something that has not been able to be achieved in 377 years, and that was to get one state to uh, make slavery illegal in their constitution. Another thing that I've been blessed to witness is I've seen the prison industry, the for-profit private prison industry in particular, lose as much as $15 billion in assets and revenue. And, you know, gave me a little giggle. Uh, We've seen that through various divestment programs, some of which were initiated by students, particularly out in New York, uh, where the University of New York students, where you're at right now, uh, as a matter of fact, were the ones that first start asking the university to divest, because their university had $30 million invested in for-profit private prisons. And eventually, even Kanye West played a role in uh, exposing that when he talked about CCA and uh, modern slavery and his song, New Slaves, which forced CCA to change their name to Core Civic. Eventually, you saw even the Obama administration on July 18th of 2017, I believe it was, maybe 18, but I think it was 2017, announced they would no longer be using for-profit private prisons, and they wouldn't be renewing their contracts. On that day alone, the for-profit prison company stocks plummeted so badly that if mm-hmm. Wall Street had not stopped trading, they would have went out of business on July 18th of 2017. That's the type of threat that this type of movement poses to modern-day slavery and human trafficking, which overall is, in effect, white supremacy. So it's a threat to white supremacy. Those are some of the things that we've accomplished since then. Uh, Also in 2018, we were able to enact legislation, the abolitionists, when I say we, I mean the abolitionist movement, we were able to enact legislation in Florida that would return voting rights to those who have had them unjustly taken away. And that's former prisoners and those behind bars. So they fought really hard and they got that passed where You know, ex-prisoners can uh, exercise their vote instead of having what we call collateral consequences, where for the rest of their life, they're not allowed to vote even after they pay their dues. You Right.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, you hit on a lot of very important things. You know, one thing I wanted to mention when you were speaking of the universities, I mean, so many universities have divested, and we even had the entire uh, city of New York remove its pension. Fr- they divested their pension fund from private prisons, you know, from Core Civic and uh, uh, the GEO Group. You know, now, Max, some people may be wondering uh, where did the GEO Group and Core Civic come from? Can
3: you touch on that briefly? Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I have literally uh, done uh, mountains of research on these groups and their connections, where they came from, uh, how they make their money. So it started really out for the GEO group as the Hut Corrections Corporation. The Hut Corrections Corporation had their initial public launch in 1994 in tandem with the Clinton omnibus crime bill, which was authored by Joe Biden, as we all know. And 70% of their revenue came from the Clinton administration. Within the period of 1994 to 1998, the uh, Wackenhut Corrections stock value increased tenfold. That's how fast they were growing. Uh, there was a brother who was working there, and he said they had, they had this uh, illuminated thing on the wall which showed how many beds they were putting to be put putting to use, and the number was changing as he was watching it because the prison system was growing that fast. So they didn't really start out until 1994, and it wouldn't exist without the Clinton crime bill. But since then, uh, they have become the second largest privately owned corporation in the entire world, right underneath Walmart. If you look them up, you'll find them listed as G4S. G4S is a for-profit private prison company providing prisons, security, uh, stuff like that. They did the, um, the Olympics, uh, the last Olympics. They were the ones that provided security for them. They've gotten so big now and that in the entire continent of Africa, for the past five years, the largest employer has been this prison company called G4S. And G4S is a subsidiary right now of the GEO Group, and the GEO Group, so whack and hut corrections. That's where they come from. So they went from being a nobody offering an initial public offering in 1994 to being the second largest privately owned prison, the second largest privately owned corporation in the entire world. Their business is about bodies. As long as bodies is being held and being processed, they're making money. Uh, the GEO Group. For instance, along with CCA, which was the first for-profit private prison here in the United States, starting in Louisiana with a prison's women's prisons during the Reagan years, between the the, the two of them, they have grown to be these global entities where nations uh, use their services for all their prisons. Uh, for instance, Australia is completely run by the GEO Group, and uh, even the U.S. military has used their services out in Guantanamo Bay where they were Absolutely. housing the Haitians at one time. That was the GEO group doing that. And and it was in some of the worst conditions anyone could ever imagine. This group has, this company has been sued so many times for human rights violations that one judge went to a juvenile detention facility that they owned in Mississippi and said that it was a cesspool of constitutional violations
4: <laughs> That's heavy That's heavy And you know that's that's something That we're really going to touch on I guess in our future broadcast Because the conditions And what What led to them uh, Passing legislation Allowing These private prisons To take over The imprisonment because they're basically subcontractors of the state and federal prison systems. And there's there's a lot of information as to what brought that about. And then when you look at it, these companies are publicly traded on the stock market, and their only commodity is the labor that comes out of it, the number of bodies and the labor it produces. That's the only commodity these companies have. They don't have... Product, They're, they're actually. When you hear people talking about, oh, there are no jobs, there are no jobs, all the jobs have gone overseas, but what they're failing to realize is that a lot of these jobs are still right here in America. When you take Made in America, that brand itself, a lot of their products are made in America, but they're made in the American prison system. And we'll go over a long list of so many products that people buy on an everyday basis that are actually manufactured with slave labor. And so yeah. people don't realize yeah. how big of an issue this is and how personal it is, that they're thinking, well, I'm not doing anything. And No, you actually are. If you're shopping certain places, if you're buying certain products, then you are actively participating in the slave trade
3: exactly are um i highly suggest that people watch that film 13th as well as two others as a matter of fact watch these three films in this order you start with slavery by another name it tells you how uh slavery was transferred from private hands to state hands to leasing, and then you watch Thirteenth, which tells you how slavery exists today through that loophole and how it's being exploited and by who and then finish out the trilogy with Do Not Resist, which really tells you where it's going next. Uh, Showing examples, for instance, of how in California they're now using scanning devices that scan faces and license plates for warrants. So, you know, you're being scanned randomly as you're walking down the streets in California. So I definitely uh, suggest people watch those. In a couple of minutes, we're going to play a clip, and it's a pretty long clip, but I really think that we should all listen to it. And the clip comes from Minnesota, where they discuss their movement there. To remove the exception clause from the Minnesota state constitution, they also go into great detail as to why it needs to be removed. And I think it's worth hearing for sure, and not only worth hearing, but worth discussing afterwards. So after we play this clip, which is 18 minutes, we are going to open up the phone lines for discussions about what you just heard. So the number will be, if you want to write down real quick, it's 515-605-9814. Also, uh, Hunter, if you're on the line, uh, please press one so I know which is your number there. All right. Well, uh, Yusuf, anything else you want to add to what we were just saying in regards to uh, where we're at now?
4: Not at the moment. I think we can go right into the next segment if you want to, to start playing the video.
3: All right, that sounds like a good idea. Give us a couple of spare minutes because uh, I'm pretty sure we might have a few callers who have something to say. So uh, without uh, going into further detail, we'll let them speak for themselves. This is the uh, report from them. You got everyone? Uh, oh,
5: here
3: we go. representative Nora. Thank you.
6: Mm-hmm. Welcome, everyone. I'm State Representative John Lesh, and we're here today uh, to introduce the constitutional amendment that would ban slavery from the Minnesota Constitution. Our United States Constitution was drafted with the intent of forming a more perfect union, and over time we've encountered ways in which our country is less than perfect. In the 1800s, we collectively decided that slavery and involuntary servitude Were such egregious breaches of human and civil rights that they would no longer be acceptable in our country. Now, from statehood to 1850, from statehood in 1858, Minnesota has prohibited slavery or involuntary servitude predating the Civil War. In fact, the Minnesota First Volunteers, First Volunteer Regiment Infantry, of which I am a former member, uh, was uh, uh, at Gettysburg and made tremendous sacrifices toward the Union ultimately prevailing and ensuring that slavery would not exist in this nation. But unfortunately, our constitutions, both the federal and state, sections on slavery prohibition, still contain an exception. As Minnesotans and Americans, we should all strive to deliver fairness, equity, and justice for every single person in our state. When we fall short of that, we have a responsibility to take action addressing it. Today we're launching an effort to amend the Minnesota Constitution to close this loophole. Currently, Article 1, Section 2 of the Minnesota Constitution reads, There shall be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude in the state. And it goes on to say, Otherwise than as punishment for a crime of which the party has been convicted. Our proposed amendment would remove this secondary problematic clause. Thanks to St. Paul Police Chief Todd Axel, who's with us today, for bringing attention to this clause and raising awareness. As a St. Paul legislator, I am honored to be chief author of the legislation with the amendments language, House File 3008. This legislation will receive a hearing in the House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, and we will work to ensure it's passed by both bodies to give voters a say on whether they want this outdated provision to stay in their constitution. In Minnesota, it's inappropriate that language mentioning slavery still exists in our Constitution, even if it's narrowly constructed and, some would say, obsolete. While we've undoubtedly made progress in expanding civil rights, racial bias remains persistent in our state, and we see the effects of that in the news every day. It's unacceptable that people of color continue to face significant disparities. While this amendment won't directly remove these words, words have meaning. By amending our Constitution to remove this troublesome language, we have the opportunity to make Minnesota a more inclusive state. And with that, I'd like to introduce uh, St. Paul Police Chief Todd Axtell, whose New Year's resolution that he posted um, struck a chord with me, and I thought it was very appropriate uh, that we raise this in the legislature. So St. Paul Police Chief Todd Axtell.
5: Thank you.
7: Thank you, Representative Lesh and our elected officials who are uh, here today to support this very important topic, and I had no idea at the time. In a moment of reflection on New Year's Eve, uh, posting an important topic on social media would be met with such quick and important uh, potential resolution. You know, as I look at other uh, states around the country, there have been a couple who have who have done this. Colorado being one where they're removing this archaic language from their constitutions. You know, the Constitution is our guiding principle, our guiding document in the state of Minnesota, and specifically for how we enforce the law and how we serve our communities. So it's important that the Constitution reflects our shared Minnesota values. This isn't a St. Paul thing. This isn't a Minneapolis thing. This isn't a metro thing. This is a state thing. As a resident of the state who happens to be St. Paul's capital's police chief, it's important that this wording is removed. When people go into the the, uh, criminal justice system, when they are uh, entered in the Department of Corrections, it should not be viewed as an exception to slavery. People who are paying their debt to society should not be viewed and should not be treated as if they're slaves. Words matter, Minnesota, and we can do better in this fall. I hope you join me in striking this language from our Constitution. Thank you very much.
6: And now I'd uh, like to introduce my my co-author, and she's my true co-author, not just a second author, because chief authorship will pass uh, to her for floor action, uh, and that is uh, St. Paul State Representative Rena Moran.
8: Thank you, Representative Flash. So the Emancipation Proclamation was issued 157 years ago. But black Americans still carry multi-generational trauma from that dark period in our nation, in our nation's early history. This trauma informs my work here at the Capitol. And every day I try to to lift our community spirit. Are the systemic biases that continue to hold them down. As the great-great-granddaughter of slaves, this issue is personal to me. It's a matter of human dignity. It's unacceptable for our state to sanction slavery or involuntary servitude under any context. It's time for this language to be eliminated, and I am so proud to be the co-author of this legislation, which would amend our Constitution to do so. This amendment also affords us to change to a more broadly recognized and deep disparities that exist right here in the state of Minnesota. There are stark differences between the opportunities available for people of color and their white counterparts in housing, in health care, education, and employment. The criminal justice system especially presents disparities at every stage of the process. Without a doubt, these disparities in our nation's mass incarceration epidemic has direct roots in our nation's past when slavery was practiced. I wanna thank Chief Axel and, and my legislative colleagues here for elevating the voices of the black Minnesotans through this amendment. Make no mistake, this amendment won't solve every problem that African Americans still face. It will, however, provide, provide a pathway helping to heal century old wounds. Our Constitution is a more document. The language that remains has no place in our history or in this time period. I'm committed to ensuring Minnesotans can get to weigh in on the ballot this November. And I am hopeful, if given the opportunity, would vote to flip the page on this awful chapter in our nation's history. Thank you. And so what I would like to do is introduce my colleague in the Senate, Senator Bobby Joe Champion.
5: Thank you, uh, Representative Moran and Chief Axel, and Representative Lesh, and uh, Representative Noor. um, I was thinking, when I was standing back there listening to the eloquence of each person who's gathered around this podium to talk about why they believe that the Constitution should be amended. And everything that they've mentioned is true. So there's no need for me to regurgitate any of the things that they've said. I would just simply say that I joined them. But it made me think about something, because the other day, uh, I had the pleasure, I have a new legislative assistant, and her name is Shamika Bogan. And she has a daughter named Brianna. And Brianna is seven years old. And she was with me, and she was excited to be here. And she traveled through this, uh, this capital, beaming with pride. And I even let her sit at my desk. And she told me one day, I want to be a senator, or I want to be a president. And I say, "Go for the ladder to be the president. you don't have to worry about being Senator, <clears throat> but in her um, excitement, I thought about these words. Remember how, as a child, that we would often say, sticks and stones may bro- break my bones, but names would never hurt me. but that's what we said as a child, but in reality that we know that names do hurt, and that we do know that Titles and what you call me can have a negative connotation. And so I think it's important for us to make sure that our common values of living up to our God-given right, that we have the ability to be all that God has called us to be, and that we are not bogged down by titles that would tend to negatively impact us, that it will raise our esteem in a way that we believe, as Brianna did, that she can be anything. And so I implore you that are in this room, and even my colleagues who may read about it in the paper, or even those people who may watch it on television or read about it, that you articulate with, with elegance the importance of this simple idea because it has deep meaning. And I hope that you will join me because I don't want Brianna to always be reminded that at one time, you know, slavery was this thing that she was that her ancestors were called. I don't want there to be the exception that if someone goes to prison and they're paying their debt to society that they're reminded every day that you're less than human. You may have made a bad decision, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. And we should all strive to be better because that's our God-given right.
6: Um, We would stand for questions.
8: Chief Axel, um, how did you happen to be post this on New Year's Eve. Had you been familiar with this language a long time, and why New Year's Eve? I'm just sort of curious about the circumstances of
7: it. I had been doing some reading as I normally do for my um, professional growth, and I've noticed this was uh, occurring in some other parts of the country. And as I reflected on it more, I decided to look at our Minnesota state constitution because I found it hard to believe that our, our state constitution would contain these words. And in fact, I was uh, disappointed to see that, that it was. So knowing that every New Year's Eve, I create a new resolution, and it never works. I talk about working, uh, working harder, exercising more, <laughs> losing weight, and here I am, and I haven't lost any weight. So this is something that I had hoped that the state could really uh, get behind and make a change, make a resolution that is actually achievable. And then I was really heartened to see the quick reply from Senator Lesh about uh, really championing this cause and all of our elected officials and and, uh, Representative Rena Moran, who have really uh, jumped in and and, uh, have decided to help this move forward. So it it means a lot to me, uh, just as a human being, not as a police chief. You know, I'm not a politician. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but this just is a common, sense, a, a common sense approach that I believe, regardless of your political affiliation or where you live, we can all get behind. Thank you. Other questions? At, uh, <clears throat> perhaps for Chief
2: still again here. You said that you'd read about uh, this uh, being an issue in other
7: states. Can you name some of them? Colorado. I believe it's been passed in Colorado, uh, Vermont, I believe, um, uh, Utah, I, I, I'll have, I, I have the states written down but there are other states across the country that have done this, uh, two or three I believe. Um, I haven't uh, uh, followed up on, on some of the progress but I've been focusing on how we can get this changed in Minnesota.
0: Okay. A question for the legislators who are working on this. Have you faced any opposition
6: so far? Uh, No, we were waiting uh, for word from the Department of Corrections because a common question was, what does this mean for uh, prison labor? Um, And we had several answers for that first, which it's it's not the same. Slavery is not the same as uh, being sentenced to prison and, and having to work. Um, it's not buying or selling of a human being and at the end of the day you really cannot force someone to do something in prison. Um, however, this morning the Department of Corrections got back to us and said that they are in support of the amendment. So we were really pleased to hear that, um, but I have not heard any or of any other organized opposition. <laughs> might be your,
7: okay. Can I just follow up to, yeah. to give you specific uh, information? So last year Colorado voters approved this amendment. <clears throat> this year, Vermont, Nebraska, and Utah are considering considering this amendment, and I think that is a very important uh, question that was just asked because some people won't understand this. Uh, some people will believe that this will open the doors of the prison system. I can tell you as a police chief that would be the last thing that I would want to happen. This doesn't open doors. This doesn't uh, forgive people who have committed uh, violent felonies in the state This is just something that reflects our state's values. It has nothing to do with uh, uh, the prison system opening their doors. Thank you.
8: Uh, Senator Champion or Senator Lesnar, have you heard from any Senate Republicans on how they're feeling? Do you think that they will, in fact, support this?
5: Thank you, So I'm the only senator here, but, uh, but I'm house trained. But, 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 but what makes me a good senator is because I was house trained, so I'm no <laughs> okay with that. Um, so I haven't heard anything from uh, my fellow senators as of yet. Um, again, we were waiting to get some additional information from the Department of Corrections uh, and others to see whether they would support uh, the work that we are proposing. I am going to take the liberties of mm-hmm. talking to leadership, both uh, uh, majority leadership as well as minority leadership to sort of get a gauge of that. So it is a work in progress. But I believe that, that they will be thoughtful and they will understand what it is that we are attempting to do. Uh, this is also interesting because I read a book uh, some time ago that talked about convict, convict leasing. Which happened, you know, after 1865, right? Uh, and and uh, so it's really interesting. So I think that you should go back and take a look at that whole history that sometimes people don't talk a whole lot about.
4: I wasn't for Senator Champion. Just uh, what would the what would the committee path be in the
5: uh, Senate for this? Well, um, I would naturally assume that uh, it would probably um, uh, go to state and on uh, local governments. I think that's a possibility because, of course, and, and maybe judiciary, you know, because it would have some impact on, you know, prisons, not necessarily releasing anyone, but just because that language is there and how uh, that would be interpreted. Um, so that's the pathway that I think it would potentially go. But again, I don't know of every pathway that it will go, but I, I could definitely think of judiciary and potentially state, local, and and uh, uh, local governments as And state government.
6: And and to that, you asked about the the Senate. I I did, not long after this was floated out there, I did talk with Senator Wimmer and we had a kind of a a longer conversation about it uh, and he seemed to indicate favorability toward it. He did not promise a hearing in any case, but one of the things we talked about is how um, when you're in a position of privilege, uh, it's easy for you to think that we've moved uh, past our history, moved beyond our history, um, but if you're really paying attention to what's going on in society, what's going on in our state, you know that we haven't. We have not moved beyond our history. Uh, and you need to notice the details to see that. These words in the Constitution are the details you need to pay attention to that are a legacy that I think we still carry. And that's one of the reasons why I think he was willing to, to, you know, to consider it and, and give it a hearing. Uh, one more? Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.
3: To abolition today You just heard the clip Of a press release In regards to the Minnesota State Constitution Which still has Pro-slavery language in it Literally a loophole Which is an exception clause For prisoners duly convicted You heard uh, the speakers were St. Paul Chief of Police Todd Axtell Democratic Representative Lena Moran Arena Moran and GOP Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Uh, this is a bipartisan movement where people are crossing uh, boundaries to end this, uh, this atrocity because, first of all, don't nobody try to tell Max Parkes that if there's a loophole in a contract where you can exploit free labor, they won't do it. <laughs> That's how they do it. It's how it's done every single day. Uh, We're going to open up them phone lines. Our co host has been able to get uh, the number or be able to get in contact. Just press one so we know know you're there so I can grab you first. I know Yusuf has some questions with regards to what he just heard. I'm sure our callers do. All right, I don't see your hand up. So let's, there we go 201. 201, you are on air. That's 201 238.
4: no, that's me, Max.
3: Oh, that's you. Okay. What's somebody else. Yeah, that's problem? me. All
4: right. I, I yeah, just want to say, if we out. have people, let me just, if if we have people on the line that are listening via the internet, could you please post something in the comments just so we know that you're there? Are you able to see on your end, Max, anything indicating how many listeners that we have at the moment?
3: Yes, uh, we. Uh, well, I know how many callers we have. not how many listeners? So we've got a lineup of callers. We're, we're okay, and we'll call us. Awesome.
4: Awesome.
3: Yes. So we're, we're we're okay with callers. With that being said, you know, I took some notes. I know you got some things to say, and we put aside a little time to talk about this. So, if you want to join the conversation now, press one uh, on your dial pad. And that will indicate that you have something to say, and if you don't have something to say and you want to be a part of it, don't worry. I got a question. <laughs> you know we got a question to ask, so press one now, uh there we go. that's two nope, all right nine one nine you are on the air today with abolition today next yeah, office in North Carolina. South Carolina. No, good Go afternoon, good time. afternoon
9: Well, good evening, gentlemen This is um, Crystal calling in from North Carolina
3: hey,
9: and I have been. Crystal
0: hey
9: Yes, Crystal yes, I have been, been thoroughly Enjoying the show thus far And um, I well, did Certainly, I listened to the entire uh, Video recording that you just played And I must say it was very I had never heard that before, but it was Very informative, I think they did a really Great job of stating Articulating the facts you know, some of the history and how that relates to our present day time and the effects of the language. Um, and so just thank you for sharing that. That was really, you know, updated and I think, updated and I think that it gives a lot of um, ideas and, and hope to other people in, in other states that may want to um, follow suit in um, making these types of changes. So I just wanted to add that to the conversation, but thank you. Thank you, Crystal. If you thank you.
3: High, would you tell the audience who you are? Because Absolutely. we're here partly because of you. Exactly. Oh, well.
9: well, thank you for that. So my name is Crystal Roundtree. I am um, one of the co-founders of I Am We Prison Advocacy Network, and we, as a part of that, um, I'm also a representative, and outside representative for the J- uh, JLS or Jailhouse Lawyer Speaks um, Inside Prisoners um, Group. And um, as a part of that, those two organizations with lots of support um, from the outside, including these two gentlemen here on the line, um, came together for the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. That was a great success in our opinion and lots of people's opinion, actually. And so I think that this is a continuation to continue to push that same message forward, same message forward. So um, I appreciate you having me on the line this evening.
3: Thank you, Crystal. Uh, We are proud to, I've always been proud to work alongside you, and uh, we have got a lot of work to do, and we've made a lot of headway. You should be proud. I know the ancestors would be proud. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Thank
9: you so much.
3: Solidarity, brother. Can I ask you a question in regards to what you just heard? First, I know that you're also happy to see this as something that is bipartisan, and it's happening across the country. Minnesota is one of several states that are going through the same process with basically the same arguments. But one of the arguments that was presented, I'd like to know your feelings on it, and that was when I believe it was the GOP Senate Majority Leader, Paul Gazelka, said that prison is not slavery, nobody can force anyone to work, (laughs) and no one is being sold. How do you feel about that?
9: I think that was a very interesting perspective that this gentleman Takes and um, certainly we know that that is absolutely um, not true. It happens and is happening on a daily basis here in our in our prisons. Um, people actually are being forced, or if not directly forced, punished. The 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 punitiveness of refusing is also uh, oftentimes to the point where people feel as though they have no other choice but to comply. And so this is not a a willing um, thing that these um, prisoners throughout the country are participating in. So I beg to differ with the gentleman um, when he speaks about, you know, no one can be forced to do anything um, and and that they don't actually view this as a form of um, slavery. When, in fact, we all know clearly, we're all clear about exactly what it is. And so um, if they would like to call it by another name, then, you know, that's their perspective. But at the end of the day, that bipartisan support is certainly, um, as the one gentleman, I'm not sure of his name on the um, program, but he, he did mention that this this doesn't change um, what a lot of these people are pushing for, which is to keep more prisons, to keep the system going. changing the language, you know, I guess at... Not initially, not- not initially, I think that at this level, it should be able to gain that bipartisan support even from the ones who are for the system um, once they understand that this does not actually you know change change the numbers um, as far as people being locked up and and it doesn't release people from prisons. but I think somewhere in the back of their mind though they they still see the um, incentives of keeping the language in there. And that dollar sign is probably flashing somewhere in the back of their minds as well as far as what it could mean if this language is removed.
3: Right, right. And, you know, I'm sure right now there's somebody listening in Minnesota who is part of the people trying to get this done and saying, come on now, Max, don't say too much. We want to be gentle. We want to get this done, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm going to say what I got to say, and uh, I'm going to try to be concise with it. Simply speaking, my my argument to his is when he said prison is not slavery, I would say just look at your constitution. It literally says except prisoners duly convicted. That means once you're convicted, you're not a prisoner. You are a slave, and that's why you're there talking, right? And then the second thing saying about can't you know nobody's being forced to work. We all know that's wrong too. We had two prison labor work strikes where people were put. Into solitary freaking confinement because they refused to do the work, uh, because they refused to do uh, that free labor. And I say free labor literally because in places like Louisiana, uh, you get nothing. In places like Alabama, the Congress just voted to give three cents an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. And then finally, he said, No one's being sold. Again, I would uh, differ because through the for profit private prisons, Stock holdings and also Through municipal jail bonds When a person purchases These stocks and bonds They are literally buying the people Inside them because you're Not buying a building you're buying a Guarantee that it will be filled At all times For people mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know you own not stocks You're the new saver. Well, I don't want to take up too much time I do think that there was other people who wanted to chime in Starting with my co host Yusuf, did you have something to add to this?
4: I just want to uh, acknowledge a few people. Nor Hinty, uh, he checked in via the chat, and he said that everything is going great. He's just double, he's multitasking right now. We also have uh, Fatima Patterson. She's checking in from Las Vegas, Nevada, and Tashaka Sumani also is checking in. Everyone's loving the show at the moment.
3: Uh, thank you very much uh, You know, uh, I appreciate you being here Like I said, you could have been anywhere else um, Another thing that stood out for me And I want the next person on the line Well, let me see what they got to say If you want to participate, please Press one, I see you ones Okay, we're going to bring in 614 on the line That's six one four six three two. You are on abolition today State your question or comment, your name 614-632. 614
4: 632? 614, you on the line. That may be Hannah. All right, well, uh, I will. That's, that's, a, that's Columbus, Ohio, so that may be.
3: Oh, maybe one of our listeners out there as well. Uh, I'll leave it open just in case it is her. She's still having difficulties. It is, it is her. She more says, I'm on the
4: line. She says she's on the line. She's just multitasking right now.
3: All right, and I'll move on to our next one. 803 206. I see your hand up. So, 803 206, welcome to Abolition Today. You have a question or comment, and what is your name?
10: Peace. This is the Ratchet Revolutionary Palmetto Star. What's going on, Hey, Mac? peace, brother. Peace,
4: peace. Welcome.
10: Peace. What's going on?
3: <laughs> Happy birthday, brother. No, I
10: love what y'all doing, and of course, raising awareness about uh, the abolitionist movement. Letting people know that slavery is still alive and well, that we need to free the real and true living slaves that the people in the pre- the penal system, and going through the um, corporate prison system, and you're really you know showcasing and, and exposing the GEO group and people that profit from slave labor. So definitely glad that you're doing and, and and making sure
3: people are well aware of what's happening right now. Amen. Thank you, brother. Some of these people who run these corporations like the GEO Group, uh, it is my dream to one day see them on trial, very much like they had in the Hague uh, with the Nuremberg trials, because they're committing crimes against humanity. That's exactly what they're doing. And we really can't fish without uh, understanding that there are people who want us to be in this situation because it makes them money. And it's great at population control, particularly for races and classes that they don't want propagated. So thank you, brother. I appreciate you being here on another inauguration. <laughs> you know, go back well, uh, tell right. people about your program too. By the way, invite them to come listen.
10: Well, if you hear my voice, then you're part of the revolution. Um, I'm the host of Two Raw for TV. We've been broadcasting since November 4th, 2010. We've had guests like Charlemagne de God, um, Dr. Claude Anderson, people along those lines on there. Um, but as a as a pa- platform for people to, um, you know, become their most supreme self. And we broadcast every Thursday on blogtalkradio.com slash 2 raw for tv The call-in number is 516-453-9174, and the revolution will not be televised.
3: The revolution will not be televised. All right. right, uh, We have a music break coming up. I mean, what is a revolution without music? So we got abolition music. Uh, That we're going to be providing for you on a regular basis uh, Inspiring poetry, spoken word, music and art That will uh, just really move your soul uh, to understand even better So before we go into our music segment I'm going to pass the mic to my co-host Any uh, final comments in regards to this interview that we just heard?
4: You know, he said a mouthful and, you know what i what I have to say, we're kind of taking it in another direction, so let's do the music and then we if you want to discuss it on the other side of the music, we can if not you know it's something that we're gonna speak about a lot, you know, just one word that popped up a lot. we was talking about uh human rights and just being human, and of course you know when i when I brought the uh the lawsuit that they had outed in California where the five orcas sued SeaWorld saying that they were being held in captivity as slaves but i don't want to address that this week that's something i want to address in the future but i just want to just bookmark that that we'll discuss that one in okay. the future because it's a lot to unpack with that one
3: this whole thing we heard tonight is a lot to unpack i mean we could yeah, talk about it's, this, it's this a lot. for the entire show and it's worthy of it because, like, when he mentioned about, you know, not everybody's a bad person. Who the hell cares if they're a bad person? Are they innocent? You know what I mean? Because we do know right. that a lot of laws and uh, policies are being passed in order to incarcerate people, and for no other reason. For instance, there were more arrests for simple possession of marijuana in 2017 than there were for all violent crimes combined. And those people, the hell with being bad. They should be out because they're innocent. Uh, So not everybody in there is a bad person Hell, not everybody in there is guilty (laughs) A lot of them in there just because
4: they couldn't afford to pay a fine
3: Couldn't afford to pay a fine or bail Or they had to take a plea bargain Which happens 97% of the time I mean, your Sixth Amendment right is that you're supposed to have access to a jury of your peers But with a 97% plea bargain rate for all felonies across the country That means that doesn't happen all right. With that being said, we're going to move into our next segment, which is uh, we want to turn you on to Solomon Burke. None of us are free.
2: Well, you better. The oh. crime. If you don't say it's wrong, then that says it's right.
3: Today. That was Solomon Burke. None of us are free. And every now and then we're going to play a little clip of that just to bring it back into perspective because none of us are free. As long as slavery is legal in this country, none of us are free. Any of us can be taken for anything at any time uh, just on the drop of a hat. And it happens all the time. We are going to tell you some of the facts throughout our history. Here And we thank you for being here today on our inauguration, inaugural program. Uh, Brother Youssef, I'm going to want you to go into the story we have prepared today, which is what we referred to earlier about Governor Cuomo uh, deciding that they're going to use the prisoners to make their hand sanitizers in order to dispense it throughout the state of New York.
4: Sure, Absolutely. Uh, Coming from an article posted in The Verge, and it's also in many others, uh, dated March 9, 2020, New York will use low-wage prison labor to make hand sanitizer. Faced with shortages of hand sanitizer in a new coronavirus outbreak, State has decided to make its own. The hand sanitizer will be made by inmates at correctional facilities, said New York Governor Andrew Cuomo who announced the product's development at a press conference on Monday. The inmates can make 100,000 gallons per week, according to Cuomo. As the coronavirus outbreak is in the U.S. has spread, hand sanitizer has been flying off the shelves, while price gouging has pushed prices sky high. New York declared a state of emergency related to the outbreak on Saturday. And I'm not going to get into all of it. They want to throw out all these statistics and everything. Getting back into the article, the article's principal point: New York's hand sanitizer, Cuomo says, will be 75% alcohol and will be made available to government agencies, prisons, schools, transit agencies. The first area to get hand sanitizer will be New Rochelle, which has a large number of cases. The hand sanitizer will be made by Corecraft. The part of the state's Department of Corrections and Community Supervision that manufactures products from license plates to pillows. The average wage at these facilities was about 65 cents an hour in 2016. That's the end of the article. Now, one thing that it mentions in here where it says that Corecraft is part of the state's Department of Corrections and Community Supervision for. Many people may not know that Corecraft also has parolees working for it. See, there's the Corecraft within the system where they make everything, basically, all, all types of furniture, all types of cabinets, license plates, state road signs, uniforms, boots, you name it. There's a lot of things that they make, but they also, when inmates come home on parole, many of them are sent to craft. but they, they give you a certain amount of time to get a job and if you can't get a job then they send you to core craft and the last the last I heard the wage was about uh six twenty five an hour, whatever minimum wage is now. But uh they're also not only are they using the the labor in the prisons, they're also using it when they come home. I have to double-check on the the current salary, though. I'm not sure of that, so don't quote me on that. But they're making $0.65 an hour, and that's considered a high-paying job in the prison system. You know, many of the people in there, if they do work, they want to try to get the best-paying jobs. Usually the best-paying jobs are being on, like, paint gang or areas where you're around the police most of the time. So, of course... We already know who most of those jobs go to, but anyway, just the the mere fact that people are looking, people in prison are looking towards trying to get the dollar or dollar fifteen an hour job, as if that's like the best job to have. When you have most people who are making on the low end thirty cents an hour, forty cents an hour, and on top of that, when they do get paid their fines and their fees and all types of surcharges are taking out of it. So in essence, they're making no money behind this. So just the mere fact that it's saying 65 cents an hour, it's not even 65 cents an hour. And he's projecting 100,000 gallons per week. And we can imagine how much that is. And on top of it, although he's saying that this is going to government agents, prisons, schools, and transit agencies, it's not free. It's not just gonna be given to them. They're gonna be paid for it. So it's sort of like they're paying themselves for its own production. So they're having the prisons uh they're having the prisoners produce it for nothing, and then they're charging the budget that they've allocated to these other government agencies, they're charging them to provide them with this. So they're doubly paying themselves.
3: Well, I definitely want to chime in a little bit on this. And uh, what I would like to offer, first of all, is unions should be up in arms about this. Like, really, this is what happened before where along the Appalachian Mountains they had the unions fighting against the government because they were using slaves and convict leasing programs and putting them out of jobs. So you got people getting paid $0.10 an hour to $0.62 an hour doing something you could be doing outside to feed your family. And the incentive is right here in the article. It says uh, they can get it for X amount of dollars, which is much cheaper than if the state tried to buy it on the open market. Now, what if they start applying that to everything? Well, we could get it much cheaper rather than buying it on the market if we get it from prisoners making it. And prisoners can do this, and prisoners can do that. Right. Know, this is how slavery happens, you know? And in the meantime, the people who are making $0.10 cents an hour, $0.15 cents an hour, they can tell you that ain't nothing free, even in prison you got to live. you got to buy. It's what you need to buy. You need to pay for what you need to pay for. And while you're doing that, they got you working for $0.10 cents an hour, forcing you to do it uh, if you really don't want to do it sometimes. And then on top of that, they're taking the money right back through fines and fees that they make you pay while you're in prison. On many occasions, people have walked out of prisons in debt when they went in on nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, uh,
4: and on ahead, top brother. of all that, they also project the lie that, oh, we're teaching them valuable skills, when in essence that those skills don't transfer into when you come home, they don't transfer into any type of career. But that's something that we're going to definitely uh,
3: dive into in future programs as well. Right, right. Right now, basically, we're just surfing. like We're going over the surface of these different topics and things when each of them have uh, in-depth histories and effects that we could talk about for an entire show, and probably in the future we may dedicate to specific instances and circumstances, but for now, we really just want to give people as much information on our broadcast uh, program as we possibly can so you understand what it is we're fighting and why. Um, And with that being said, there's a segment that I'd like to introduce where I I recommend some homework. (laughs) If you've tuned in this far, then you're sincere, you know, you really want... To change things But the first thing You've got to change Is your mind Revolution begins In your mind When you change your mind So in order to help People do that You need Knowledge And understanding What did Frederick Douglass say Knowledge makes a man Or in that case A woman or a child Unfit to be a slave So become unfit To be a slave With that being said I'd like to recommend Two films That you can find On our Facebook page At Abolition Today Uh, The first one would be Jim Crow of the North, which talks about uh, the redlining circumstances that were occurring in the North. And then the second one would be human zoos, America's forgotten history of scientific racism. And the thing that shocked me about watching both of these back-to-back is they were virtually happening at the same time. So it really puts things into perspective about who you were dealing with And what they were trying to achieve So once again that's Jim Crow of the North And Human Zoos America's forgotten history of scientific racism They'll be available on our page At Facebook On uh, Abolition Today Yusuf Yes All right. looks like we're coming to the close Man of our show We only got 15 minutes left And we got a pre-recorded segment ahead That we think you are going to really love um, Where so the time go? It
4: seemed like we just got on the air.
3: I know, right? Uh, we've got a ninety-minute broadcast, and I found out today, right now, we're competing with the presidential elections. <laughs> so that's uh, that's. Uh, I don't think <laughs> you want to see that, see that in recording. <laughs> that's in a two-hour show yeah.
4: in itself of of us. You know, maybe if we if we run across this again, maybe we can. I don't know. Do some type of interactive, real time where we're dealing with that at the same time as our show, because I'm sure that they're saying things contrary
3: to what we're saying. Well, you're certainly going to see and hear more of Abolition Today, because we are definitely, anybody that knows us knows we get involved. And this is just us breaking uh, our way through the door with Abolition Today here on uh, blogtalkradio.com. and uh, the future is going to be one very exciting as witnesses and participants. So um, I personally just want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in today, everybody that's listening later on, uh, those that have supported us and helped us to get the word out. And, uh, and you know, we love you. We, we appreciate you. We're doing this together. It's not just any one of us. You know what they say about that, one monkey don't make no show. So we're not right. trying to create anything We're a part of something That already exists The abolition movement We're in the same vein as Frederick Douglass And Harriet Tubman And Matt Turner And Denmark Vesey All oh, It's all the same thing Because the same circumstances are occurring They've just been refined Or how did Brian Stevens say it? I don't believe that slavery ended I think it evolved It certainly did And here Absolutely. in 2020 We're dealing with it. So thank you, everybody, and to all our sponsors and supporters. We've got something really nice planned for you coming up. Uh, Next week, by the way, hopefully we'll be able to get past the technical difficulties and introduce our third host uh, to the program, uh, Harmony YZ. Uh, That'll be next week, so look forward to that. But in the meantime, our next segment we call Bridging the Gap. We're going to start out by having an audio clip the first part in a series of Ozzy Davis reading Frederick Douglass in 1966. And that will be followed by this beautiful song from Elijah Blake called Hanging Tree. You certainly don't want to uh, uh, shut it down right now. You want to hang out to hear these things. We're going to continue this clip, by the way, or the uh, discussion with Ozzy Davis reading Frederick Douglass week after week. This is just gonna be the first one. All right? So uh with that being said you said, your closing statements there? <clears throat> Yusuf? Said- I have
4: two. One is just you know, coming from Solomon Burke's song, None of Us Are Free. And it's it just jumps right at you that it's it's time for us all to realize that the truth is shining real bright, right before our eyes. And of course, Malcolm X, if you're not ready to die for it, put the word freedom out of your vocabulary. Pete, thank Uh, you all.
3: I'm going to join you with Malcolm X in saying, you can't separate peace from freedom because no one can be at peace unless he has his freedom. Uh, You've been listening to Abolition Today, and hopefully you'll continue to listen for the next few minutes as we play our final segment.
0: I was born a slave in Tuckahoe near Hillsborough and about 12 miles from Easton in Talbot County, Maryland. I have no accurate knowledge of my age. By far the larger part of the slaves know as little of their ages as horses know of theirs, and it is the wish of most masters within my knowledge to keep their slaves thus ignorant. I do not remember to have ever met a slave who could tell his birthday, they seldom come nearer to it than planting time, harvest time, cherry time, spring time, or fall time. From various inquiries I have made, I have determined that I was born sometime in February, in the year 1817. My mother was named Harriet Bailey, and she was a slave. She was of a very dark complexion. Of my father, I know nothing. Slaver has no recognition of fathers as none of families, that the mother is a slave is enough for its deadly purpose by its laws the child follows the condition of its mother the father may be a freeman and the child a slave I do not recollect ever seeing my mother by the light of day she was with me in the night she would lie down with me and get me to sleep but long before I waked she was gone once she walked 12 miles to see me and had the same distance to travel again before the morning sunrise. Death soon ended what little communication we had between us, and with it her hardships and suffering. She died when I was but seven years old on one of my master's farms. I was not allowed to be present during her illness, at her death, or her burial. She was gone long before I knew anything about it. I've had two masters. My first master's name was Anthony. I do not remember his first name. He was generally called Captain Anthony, a title which I presume he acquired by sailing a craft on the Chesapeake Bay. He owned two or three farms and about 30 slaves. Want of food was my chief trouble under Captain Anthony. I have often been so pinched with hunger as to dispute with old Nep the dog, for the crumbs which fell from the kitchen table. Many times have I followed with eager step the waiting girl when she shook the tablecloth to get the crumbs and small bones flung out for the dogs and cats. It was a great thing to have the privilege of dipping a piece of bread into the water in which meat had been boiled. And the skin taken from the rusty bacon was a positive luxury. I suffered also much from cold. In hottest summer and coldest winter... I was kept almost naked, no shoes, no stockings, no jacket, no trousers, nothing but a coarse tow linen shirt, reaching only to my knees. I had no bed. I must have perished with cold, but that the coldest nights I used to steal a bag which was used for carrying corn to the mill. I would crawl into this bag and there sleep on the cold, damp clay floor with my head in and feet out. My feet have been so cracked with the frost that a pin might be laid in the gashes. My master's farms and slaves were under the care of an overseer. The overseer's name was Plummer. Mr. Plummer was a miserable drunkard, a profane swearer, and a savage monster. He always went armed with a cowskin and a heavy cudgel. I have known him to cut and slash the women's heads so horribly that even Master would be enraged at his cruelty and would threaten to whip him if he did not mind himself. Master, however, was not a humane slaveholder. It required extraordinary barbarity on the part of an overseer to affect him. He was a cruel man, hardened by a long life of slaveholding. Slaves were expected to sing as well as to work. A silent slave was not liked either by masters or overseers. Make a noise there, make a noise there, and bear a hand were words usually addressed to slaves when they were silent. The remark was often made that slaves were the most contented and happy laborers in the world, and their singing was referred to in proof of this alleged fact. But it was a great mistake to suppose them happy, because they sometimes made these joyful noises. The songs of the slaves represented their sorrows rather than joys. They told a tale of woe. They breathed the prayer and complaint of souls boiling over with bitterest anguish. Every tone was a testimony against slavery and a prayer, and the to, prayer God to God prayer for, deliverance for deliverance from change. From change.
2: Underneath the hanging tree He looks just like me So tell me, am I really free? Could have been my mother Crying for my brother And everybody, everybody Everybody's praying for peace But who's going to protect us from the police? Keep these checks. But damn, about of you? I, I wonder sometimes, Am I just living today?
3: for being a part of Abolition Today. Tune in next Sunday at blogtalkradio.com slash abolitiontoday.